This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's hard to imagine anyone who won't be feeling some sort of mood dip in the winter, right? And we have less serotonin produced in the body. Our diet is going to play a role as well during this time of year, generally getting less fresh food. We have less exercise this time of year. All of these things are sort of creating a perfect storm for our mental health to be impacted. Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Bussin, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll discuss easy detox protocols for better energy. We'll learn how to beat winter blues with mood-boosting herbs and foods. We'll explore self-care strategies. And lastly, we'll find out why it's all about the soil to improve your garden from the ground up. But first, a little bit of business. Omega Alpha is 100% Canadian-owned and has been GMP-certified for manufacturing to pharmaceutical standards since its inception in 1992. It uses only all-natural herbs, vitamins, and minerals in their formulations. The company is site-licensed for manufacturing nutraceuticals by the Natural Health Products Directorate, a division of Health Canada. They have four company divisions, both a consumer line and professional line of human products, equine pet health products, and a custom manufacturing private label division. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit their website at omegaalphainc.com. Omega Alpha's products are created by their scientific team headed by their owner, operator, and CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Dr. Chang holds a PhD in physiology and biomedical engineering from the University of Toronto. He also has two years postdoctoral experience in clinical biochemistry, looking at free radicals and antioxidants. He's published over 20 peer-reviewed articles and conference proceedings, and he's a regular on the show. Welcome back, Gordon. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Jamie, and thanks for having me back on again. Always great to have you on the show. So, Gordon, this show, we're sort of discussing energy, and I know that you have some thoughts on how detoxing sort of fits into our ability to generate more energy and be more energetic. You know, this is the time of year where everybody thinks of health, because after the binge we go through at Christmas time, we overeat, yep. we overdrink, we pray to the Boston gods. You know, the yep. whole nine yards, right? And mind you, as we get older, we don't do as much of that as when we were younger. But you speak for yourself, sir. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No secrets over the airways. No. Okay. But in, in all seriousness, though, I mean, we overindulge during Christmas time. It's like yeah. we eat too many sweet things, right? We drink too much alcohol. You know, all that stresses your organ systems, right? Mm-hmm. And when I say stress, I mean stress in a negative way in, in the sense of in, the organs have the ability to, to adapt. So by organs, I mean I'm thinking most of the liver, the kidneys, the lungs, right, and the skin. These are the major organs of what I call detoxification, right? Mm-hmm. Now, with the liver, I, I tend to focus on the liver because it's one of the major organs of detoxification. It, it's the organ that takes chemicals takes uh, pollutants, etc., converts it into a form which can then be excreted through the other organs, which is in the urine, through the colon, and through the sweat glands. Right? Mm-hmm. So normally this is a time when everybody thinks about detoxification because after indulging, we, we know we've built up toxins. We know we have to get rid of it. But 
I do know that some people, when they want, when they think of detoxification, they're not happy unless they are throwing up, they feel sick, etc. Well, you know, you don't have to do that. Detoxification is a process which should be gentle because you can only detoxify as fast as your organs can crank it out. Right. right yeah. Meaning that if the load that your, your your liver can put out is say ten grams a day, that's it. You can't go more than that. You can push it to eleven grams maybe or so, but you're not gonna push out all of it in one in one sitting. Right? So all these toxins then get into your body in one sitting, it's not gonna go out in one sitting. So it has to be a gentle process using the biochemistry that's in the body. You can't do more than that. Right. I, I know you have a philosophy of detoxification. Other than sort of doing it gently, what's your approach? How should people be doing it? Well, what I usually tell people is that you focus on the liver because that's a major organ. Yep. Right? But let's face it, if the liver pumps it out, um, usually it comes out into, a, it converts the toxins into a form which can then be excreted. Then the, where it's excreted, it's excreted through the skin, mm-hmm. through the stool, and through the urine, and through the expired breath. Okay. Now, a lot of times, it, it's not a one. It's not a one-way door because sometimes one, one once the liver converts into form which can be excreted, if it goes into the colon, it takes a long way to go through the colon. So, meaning that if you don't have a bowel movement on a fairly re- frequent basis, it sits in the bowels, and guess what? It gets reabsorbed, right? Mm-hmm. So, what happens is that if you if you're really thinking of doing a detoxification, one of the things is that you have to eat more high-fiber foods so that what will happen, it'll clear the bowels more often. Some people go to the extreme and take laxatives. You don't need to do that, right? I'm one of the proponents of being gentle with it and, you know, make it a part of your daily routine and all is good, right? This is why when people do detoxification, they drink a lot of water because what the water does, it helps create more urine. If you create more urine, you're getting rid of the toxins faster. Some people detoxify by getting rid of toxins by sitting in the sauna, right? Yep. Sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one way of pulling toxins out of your system, right? And this is all the different ways of doing it. But the, the core, I believe, is really the liver because if you, if you get the liver functioning well, right, the liver is the one that's converting a lot of these toxins, right? Now, I stress the liver, but we knew, do know the kidneys have the ability to convert certain compounds into a form which can be excreted through through the urine also. But the major action of, the, of this um, conversion is in the liver. You're focusing on the liver. So, so how do we cleanse our, our liver? How do we detox our liver? What should we be doing? What we have to do is to be, I, I, I say, be gentle to the liver, right? Yeah. What, what we're trying to do is to, is to find a way of increasing um, liver function, mm-hmm. right? So there are certain herbs that we know which will, which will speed up the metabolism of the liver. Right. And how do we know we speed up the metabolism of the liver? Well, one of the ways of, of measuring that is to look at things like bile formation. And we do know there are, lots of, there are several herbs that increase bile formation. And if we can increase bile formation, we know we're increasing the liver metabolism. But remember, we, we can only increase it by so much. Right. Okay. So there are herbs, certain herbs. There are herbs where like um, artemisia is one of those herbs that do the liver really well. Milk thistle is another one. Mm-hmm. Right? Now, I know a lot of people say, oh, I know milk thistle. I'll just use milk thistle. Right. Well, 
my philosophy on all these things is it's all about the different paths to the top of the mountain. Uh, there are many paths to the top of the mountain, right? Mm-hmm. If I only have one road, let's say my my milk pistol road, I can only I can only move so much material up and down the mountain through that one path. Now, if I have three or four different pathways, so three or four different herbs I can use, and each creating its own pathway, I can increase the amount of of product that can be detoxified or so amount of material up and down that, that pathway, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And there are certain people where one pathway is blocked for whatever reason, right? Because we're all individuals, right? Mm-hmm. And so the more pathways you have open, the better off you are, right? You get a better results with it. Yeah, I, I, I am a proponent of formulation. Another thing you have to consider is that, well, Anytime you're detoxifying, you're increasing your metabolism in that organ. Anytime you increase metabolism, you're increasing free radical production, right? Because a lot of these biochemical pathways happen through free radical production, right? right. Yep. And that causes damage to the organ system. So it's a good thing to have herbs or supplements which you can take, which will help act as an antioxidant to the organ, right? So there are certain herbs, for example, milk thistle, and also artemisia and dopurum. They are known to have compounds in there which specifically protect the liver. You have antioxidant support to the liver, right? Mm-hmm. So those, those are some of the things I would do. So you take a formula which will help detoxify the liver. You should also take things which will help excrete and get rid of the, the toxins as the liver produce them, right? So drink more water, definitely for the kidneys, yep. right? Exercise to, to sweat some more. If those of us who are lucky enough to have access to a sauna, right, you sit there and you basically you sweat it out yeah. and eat more high-fiber food. I'm not a proponent of laxatives because I know there are people who would say, oh, I'll do a laxative, a laxative cleanse. No, 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 no. You know, that causes too many issues. A once-in-a-blue-moon laxative cleanse is not a problem, but there are people who get hooked on it. So my feeling is they eat high-fiber foods or eat things which are high-fiber. The things like psyllium works really good for clearing. Yeah, you mentioned like collateral stuff like exercise, but you really need to get your sweat on, right? Like, yeah. like if you're talking about like exercise in terms of detoxification, yeah. Now, thankfully, yeah, that, that's to get the sweat the sweat bands working. But exercise in its own right has other benefits too. Of course, right? not, yeah. not just detoxification. It'll help with bowel movements, for example. Oh, right, help with everything. And I think it goes without saying. Like, if you're going to go to the trouble of detoxifying, perhaps you know either eliminate or really cut back on the alcohol, for example, right? Or some of the other toxins, right? You decrease your input and increase your output. Exactly. As you're saying, you decrease the number of toxins going into your system, and the process of detoxification will increase the output of the toxins. So we've, we've covered the liver. So what specifically should we be doing with the kidneys, for example? Well, the kidneys, again, the, the kidneys is one of the easier ones to deal with because just by drinking extra water creates extra urine, right? Okay. And anytime you create an extra urine, you help get rid of toxins. But there are certain herbs that, that act like a diuretic that help push out more fluids through the kidneys, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, but sometimes the things that act like a diuretic to help push out more more urine also has a toxin effect. For example, too much caffeine. Caffeine right. is known to give you, uh, make you go to the bathroom, right? Yep. But caffeine is probably a little bit is okay, but if you drink too much of it, it's definitely not good for the system. I mean, it could be considered like a toxin. I mean, there, there are many things which have a dual role. Like, you know, it, it is small amounts of good, 
The larger marks are not good for you. And that, that's the way life is. A little bit of everything is good. A lot of, a, of one thing is not, probably not good for you, no matter how good you think it is. This is why I, I'm a proponent for balance. Okay. I always believe in a balanced approach to anything. But I know there's a lot of people, for example, if you exercise, some people will say, well, the doctor said exercise is good, so we'll exercise till we're dropping, which is good for short periods of time, but people do that on a regular basis for long periods of time all the time. Then you find that they run into trouble because they, they, they pull muscles, they hurt this, they hurt that, right? So mm -hmm. it leads into other issues. So we a balanced approach to life. I, this is what I like to say. Okay. Now, some people try and help. One of the other organs that you mentioned helps us getting rid of the toxins is, are the lungs, right? But the lungs are sort of unique, aren't they? Yeah, they're unique. But, I mean, the, the, we, we do expire toxins through the expired air. And, and a lot of people will say, oh, that's not true. Well, the only thing I, I say to them is think of alcohol, right? Yeah. The basis of the breathalyzer test is measuring alcohol in the expired air, yep. right? Mm -hmm. So you drink it. Yes, and some of it is going through the lungs, expired through the lungs. So we do know the lungs do have some of that effect, right? Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, the, the things with, with the lungs, too, is that, I mean, the whole respiratory system we should be considering, right? Um, because it's one pathway of entry to a lot of different toxins also, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when you take pollutants in the air, it comes through the lungs, right? Now, the lungs themselves has protection, that minimizes the amount of toxins, but it can't stop all, right? So there's certain antioxidants you can use for the lungs, which will help protect the, the, the lung tissue, all right? And when I say protect, protect it from damage from free radicals, etc. So, you know, there, there are compounds that you can use that will do that. Okay. So, that, so some of them, people say, well, what are they? I say, well, there's certain things like rosemary will, will be is, is good for the lungs, right? Honeysuckle is also good for the lungs. Right. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of different herbs that people have used that do help protect the lungs. Right? One of the things I would also like to mention, I mean, seeing that we're in the middle of another COVID expansion, I, I say, with a number of people, I am a proponent for boosting the immune system. Yep. Right? And I know there are many people out there who don't believe in vaccination, but they believe in boosting the immune system. So I, I say to them, well, you know, vaccination is a way of boosting the immune system. Because if you think about it, the vaccines themselves, they help your body produce antibodies, produce white blood cells, which specifically target a particular virus. In this case, it would be the COVID virus. So, you know, and, and people don't like the idea of vaccination because they don't understand it half the time, right? And there's too much um, negative connotations with vaccination amongst people who don't like vaccinations. Right, right. yeah. I always say to them, we should do a, a I call it a cost-benefit analysis of vaccination, right? One of the things I always tell people is that, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen to you if you get vaccinated? The worst, worst thing. Well, really, there isn't. People will say, oh, back in the day, before, before it was um, proved to be wrong, was autism. Right. But I say, well, you look at the age. If you are 50, well, that autism ship has failed long time ago then you have with the latest with the covid i know some people are saying that if you get vaccinated um it interferes with your reproductive system well again if you're an elderly person ship a sail you, you don't want a baby at, at 80 no you don't you know what i mean no 
right? So there is very little negative negativity associated with a vaccine shot, other than the fact that people think, go do it. If you don't do it, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I know it's like sometimes when you, you talk to your child and you say, don't touch that. What's yeah. the first thing your child does? They touch it. Yeah, to touch it. Yeah. Right? So if you tell them, you know, go do this, you're pulling teeth. They're not going to do it. Gordon, I, I appreciate you spreading that message, particularly somebody from the nutraceutical side, because I, I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. And I'm, you know, I know personally, because we, we've discussed it, I know your stance yeah. on that, but I, I appreciate that you're sharing it on air. So and what I would also say to them, if you boost your immune system, yep. it doesn't hurt to boost your immune system, but the vaccination is the most specific way of boosting that immune system. And there's lots of things out there to boost your immune system. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Take care and everybody stay safe out there. Agreed. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss how to beat winter blues with herbs and foods on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Heather Lillico is a holistic nutritionist, yoga and meditation teacher, and wellness expert at Haven Life, a Canadian biotech company focused on brain health and enhancing the capabilities of the mind. She helps overachieving perfectionists find balance in their life by incorporating nutrients to nourish their mind and mindfulness techniques to slow them down. For more information, you can visit heatherlillico.com or follow her on Instagram at heather underscore L-I-L. Welcome back to the show. Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, Jamie. Thanks for having me back. So this time of year, there's less sun and there's all kinds of extrinsic forces that begin with the letter O that are weighing us down. (laughs) And there's actually a condition called the winter blues. And I want to talk about that today. Does that make sense? Yes, let's talk about the winter blues, something that is quite common. About 15% of Canadians experience the winter blues, and it's sort of a milder form of seasonal affective disorder. And we see a lot of different symptoms with it. So this time of year, someone might want to sleep longer. They might have low energy. Maybe they lose interest 
in activities that they once enjoyed. They might have difficulty concentrating or they might feel overall low or sad. And, you know, while I'm saying 15% of Canadians, this is what's reported, but we have to expect that with the new lockdown restrictions and all of the effects of still dealing with a pandemic, that it's hard to imagine anyone who won't be feeling some sort of mood dip in the winter, right? And like, this is going to be part of the cause. You mentioned as well, the environmental causes. We have less sunlight affecting our circadian rhythms this time of year. We have less serotonin produced in the body. Our diet is going to play a role as well during this time of year, us just generally getting less fresh food. We have less exercise this time of year, all of these things are sort of creating a perfect storm for our mental health to be impacted. Agreed. If those who didn't have seasonal affective disorder previously or weren't feeling a little bit blue, now we've scared them into that position. So Heather, (laughs) what can they do to get out of it? Let's start with herbs and, and herbal remedies. Yeah, don't worry. I'm, I'm here with some tips. Yeah, I can't end the interview with you just, you know, okay, that's it, everybody. You're going to be sad for three months. No, let's, let's give them yeah. some hope. What are we going to do? Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's dive in. There's so much that we can do, and we can, we can start with herbs, and there's sort of two directions to go with this. So there's herbs that we can ingest at a therapeutic dose, usually in the form of supplements, and then there's also ones that we can smell to help us feel calm and boost mood. So let's talk first about the ones that we can ingest. These mm-hmm are usually adaptogens. You've probably heard this word before, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. So let's let's catch the listeners up who might not know. So yep. adaptogens have been in the spotlight quite a bit this past year, and looking ahead to 2022 and beyond, I think they're really going to blow up in a big way. And they're a classification of plants and mushrooms that can play a role in supporting brain health and reduce the effects of stress. Essentially, they help the body balance out. So these are functional mushrooms like lion's mane and cordyceps, and plants like rhodiola. They all have adaptogenic properties and they're becoming increasingly popular as supplements. So lion's mane, for example, is great for memory and focus. And this is something that's impacted when we're talking about the winter blues. And then we have cordyceps. Cordyceps is a mushroom that's great for energy. So it's been shown to improve exercise performance and endurance, but it can also just help you feel energized. And this is a big problem in uh, in winter, right? We feel that kind of like blah and like we don't want to get off the couch. Yep. And then we have rhodiola as well. So rhodiola is probably my favorite one, and it's helpful for mental fatigue and burnout. It's been used for centuries in Russia and Scandinavian countries to help with anxiety and stress. So if someone feels like they've lost interest in the activities that they're doing or they feel overwhelmed, you know, this is this is a great one to check out. And when you're looking for how to consume these types of herbs, I usually recommend taking them as an extract because it's going to be the most potent form. So it's really the most bang for your buck. You could find these types of ingredients in the form of teas or powders, you know, that you might sprinkle on top of food, but we really want that therapeutic dose to feel better. So Mm -hmm. supplements is is a great way to consume them. And when you're choosing a supplement, you want to know that it's been tested. You want to know where it's coming from and that it's high quality. And this is why I work with Haven Life because they test their supplements, they use high quality extracts, and they do have a great rhodiola formulation. And it's one that I personally take definitely throughout winter. And then we have our other herbs, right? So the ones that we can that we can smell. So things like bergamot. Bergamot orange is very uplifting. And this is the main ingredient in Earl Grey tea. So even just sitting with that cup of tea and smelling it, that can be a way to consume it. Or maybe having it in a, the form of an essential oil. We have ginger as well. It's very energizing. You can cook with it or using it as an essential oil, maybe in a diffuser in your home. 
and then lavender. Lavender is very calming. I use it with my clients that have anxiety, but it, it can be a general mood boost. I generally use it as an essential oil. So every time before I come on the radio with you and those nerves start to hit, I grab my lavender essential oil, put it in my hands, and then just smell it. And that can help just bring an overall sense of calm. Okay. So that's herbs. What about mm-hmm. foods? Is there anything, any foods that we could eat that, that are going to impact the way we feel? So many foods, so many great foods out there. And I think I say this every time I come on the program that what you eat matters, right? The food that you consume, the nutrients that you consume literally become the cells in your body. And so this time of year, we can focus on carbohydrate-rich foods. They increase the body's tryptophan, which can lead to more serotonin. So foods like oats, peas, sweet potatoes, these are all complex carbs that take a while to digest and they help keep the blood sugar stable. So good for mood. Yep. We also have probiotic-rich fermented foods. These support the gut where a lot of the serotonin is produced. So foods like tempeh, yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi. We want to boost those, bring those up more in the diet. And then we also want to limit things that can negatively affect the gut bacteria. So things like processed sugar and, and fried foods. Now, we can also work in things like legumes, so kidney beans or black beans or lentils. These have vitamin B6, and that supports dopamine, a neurotransmitter that can help you feel motivated again. It's kind of lacking, right? When we feel that blah, we're just stuck in bed, don't feel like doing anything. We can help that with boosting B6. And then finally, our omega-3 rich foods. These are helpful for the brain. Now, the brain is mostly fat, so we want to support it with fat from the diet. So things like fatty fish, salmon, mackerel, herring, those are all great sources. Or your plant-based sources like flax seeds or walnuts. How would you recommend people integrate those foods into their diet? What are some of the tricks that you would recommend? Yeah, I think having a bit of a plan in place is helpful. So usually, you know, before the week begins, this is a great time to do some meal planning because if we leave it to right in the moment, the reality is most of us don't make great food choices, right? We're hungry, we're cranky, we're tired. All of these things come into play. We're stressed out. So at the beginning of the week, do a bit of meal planning and and prep prep your snack. So usually at the outset of the week, I make some energy balls, I cut up my veggies, and I make some muffins that are like grab and go. So have those things ready. And then think about how to batch out your food as well. So this time of year is a great time for hearty soups and stews, and it makes it easier to work in some of these plant-based proteins like beans or lentils and a lot of veggies. So like veggie chili, for example, I just made this past week lentil soup and was able to throw in some potatoes, some carrots, and some different herbs like dill and, and basil. And you know, this, these types of things will last a while as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this time of year, like some people supplement all year round, but there are times of the year where you might need a little bit of a boost. So what should we be turning our minds to at this time of year in terms of our supplementation? I think this time of year, we want to focus on vitamin D, especially living in Canada. We know that a lot of us are lacking and vitamin D has big roles for mood. I mean, it has big roles in you know, so many different areas of the body, but for mood specifically, we're starting to see just how important it is. So supplementing with vitamin D can be um, a great option this time of year, as well, possibly including an omega-3 this time of year. And I usually recommend going with uh, a high EPA omega because that's the form that specifically can help with depression. It can help reduce inflammation. So possibly incorporating those types of supplements this time of year. And then, of course, if you're going to bring in, you know, one of those adaptogens, something like cordyceps, if you need that energy boost, this could be something that you want to really target this time of year. You know, some of us are struggling even just getting out of bed in the morning. You know, like yeah. it's, it's just a drag. 
you know, it's still dark out maybe when you're when you're getting up and it's hard to motivate yourself for the day, particularly if you're feeling lower. So for those who are really struggling, Heather, what can they do? Yeah, this is a great question because, you know, some of the things I'm, I'm recommending, they sound great. But if you're just having trouble with these most basic functions, it can just feel so overwhelming, right? Like, where do I start? What do I do? It's just too much. So, you know, this could be a time when you're going to connect with a, a health professional. Maybe you're talking to your doctor. Maybe you're connecting with a naturopath or a nutritionist to really get a bit of a plan in place and consider uh, your supplement or medication. But, but we can maybe think of offloading some tasks to feel better as well, right? If it feels like this is just too much work right now to cook a healthy, nutritious meal, maybe now is the time for some sort of meal delivery service or maybe a grocery delivery so you don't have to you know, do the whole trip out to uh, the anxiety-induced grocery store trip. Yep. Um, or maybe you're doing takeout this, this time of year, but focus on takeout from maybe a plant-based place so you know that you're going to get some veggies. Or perhaps you're focusing on, you know, just one of the things that I mentioned today. So maybe the goal for the day is just to have a cup of tea with some mood-boosting herbs or to just choose one supplement that you're going to take that will help even out your mood. You know, when it feels too big, just start with one small step. Okay, we have time for one last question, and that is, are there any final tips that you want to recommend? Sure, yeah. I mean, we've talked about diet, we've talked about herbs, but there's a behavioral side of things as well, right? We want to, even in the middle of a lockdown, you know, we can still get outside safely. So, you know, getting outside as much as you can, trying to get some of that sunshine, let the sunshine in while you're working in your home, presumably, you know, working near a window, keep the curtains open in your home and schedule in social time. I think if even if we're not able to connect in the same way in person right now, we can still have some sort of distant social connection or back to online social time. I think we really need that connection right now. We need to be able to lean on each other and and have that support. That's great advice. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you for having me back, Jamie. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss self-care strategies on The Tonic. Hi, this is Jamie Buston of The Tonic. If you enjoy The Tonic talk show and podcast, you'll love The Tonic newsletter. With links to the podcast and articles from the magazine, the newsletter will also let you know about upcoming health and wellness events, curated articles from across the internet that expand on the health and wellness topics important to you. There's contests and prizes and so much more. Best of all, it comes directly to you. To subscribe, be sure to visit thetonic.ca. The Tonic newsletter, you know, for what ails you. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their liquid greens chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens. You're listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio. Tracy Sograti has an eclectic background in molecular biology, psychology, and nursing. She practices psychotherapy and yoga therapy and has over 20 years of experience in leading classes, workshops, and events. She believes that the tools of mindfulness Pave the way for a deeply meaningful life at any stage. And you can find her at SogratiYoga.com, Sograti Yoga on Facebook, or at Tracy Sograti on Instagram. Welcome back to the show, my friend. How are you doing? 
I'm great. Thanks so much for having me. Happy Always January. Happy January. <laughs> it's a new year. It's Woo-hoo. a new year. Yeah. And you know what? Like, it would be great if everybody just tried to improve themselves, you know, in November yeah. or, or, you know, July or August. But let's face it, everybody raised a toast and then they decided that they were going to try and improve their lives in January. So let's help yeah. them do it. OK, let's yeah, let, let's, let's talk about self-care strategies. OK, I'm so pumped. Yeah. yeah so, so what are we going to talk about today? So, okay, I want to I wanna make this simple and actionable. So there are basically four things. When I practice self-care myself, and it's something that's critically important to my life, there's four things I do. One is awareness. I think I always talk about awareness on yes. your show because it's so linked to mindfulness. Yeah, I'm aware uh, of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, well, who said know thyself? Yeah. Was it Socrates? Yeah, I'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so first, awareness. The second piece is planning. For those of you out there who hate planning, I'm so sorry. It's critical. It's, just, it's necessary. The third thing I feel like, I just don't know if it's always acknowledged, is taking things away. Okay. And the fourth thing is accountability. Always. Yeah. We always yeah. sort of end with accountability. All right, but let's go back to the beginning. So okay. what do we need to become aware of if we aren't already? Yeah, so I want people in this show today to become aware of their window of tolerance. And this is something that I think can be life-changing if you pay attention to it. What's a window of tolerance for those of you? So this is basically your optimal zone of arousal. Okay, mm. I'm not talking about sexual arousal. I'm talking about your optimal level of energy, okay? Okay. So this is, when you're in this zone, this is where you're feeling your most creative, your most productive, you're most able to really connect to joy. There's a sense of openness in your interaction. So whether you're learning, interacting with your colleagues, your friends, your family members, you're open, you're curious, and most importantly, the feelings that you're having, they're all pretty tolerable. So you're not feeling outside of the window of tolerance. And if you picture a window, right, imagine mm-hmm. when you take really good care of yourself, and this is, this is, I think, really important, the window of tolerance gets way bigger. Okay. When you don't engage in regular self-care, your window of tolerance gets much smaller. So that zone of optimal arousal, like there's less opportunity to be in it. Does that make sense? It does. But I never know what triggers these sort of states where I am like, because I can be hyper creative and like Mm -hmm. I have my zones where I can get like amazing amount of things done. Yeah. But it comes and it goes and I never know when it's coming or going. Yeah, you haven't connected the dots. First of all, back to that optimal arousal. So one of the things that I have people do is kind of recognize, like you recognize that you have that zone. You just don't know what brings it on. So what I have people do is recognize the zone and sort of write down like, you know, when it happens and what you notice, Mm -hmm. but then to also notice when you're outside your window of tolerance. And and that can happen in two ways. Mm -hmm. So it can happen when you're hyper aroused. So this is when you're feeling stressed. Most people would call it stressed. You might feel tense. You might feel shaky. You might feel emotionally reactive. And we talked about that last month Mm -hmm. where you just have really strong reactions to your environment or to your internal state. You might feel irritable, defensive. There might be a lot of overwhelm. And also, you might feel really impulsive, right? So you might impulsively do things or impulsively say things and then walk away and just wonder, like, why did I do that? And I'm, you know, I'm sure we've all been there. Mm-hmm. 
And then the opposite is hypoarousal. So this is where you're sort of feeling numb, you're feeling flat, you're not moving a lot, you feel passive, there's not a lot of energy. And for some people, not all, because I'm not sure that this happens for you, actually. I'm almost (laughs) never like that, but anyways, yeah. (laughs) For some people, they just can't say no. Well, and I think for you, you might actually bounce between hyperarousal and being in your optimal zone. I think that's very accurate. Yeah. So then it would be really about figuring out, okay, like what are, what am I doing the week before or the hour before, you know, I have this stretch of being in my optimal zone of arousal because things kind of progressively build up in our lives. Like if you, if you take great care of yourself, again, that window of tolerance is going to expand. But when it contracts, it doesn't happen like in an instant. Usually there's a series of events that happen first. All right. I don't want to hijack your speech here. So let's move on to planning. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is for each person and everybody listening, just know like you have to be the master of your own domain. And by that, I mean your own internal environment. Mm -hmm. So you have to determine what is real and reasonable. So that means asking yourself, what do I require in order to function within this optimal zone? Right? Like Mm -hmm. if you could create the recipe for Jamie to get in that beautiful, creative, productive state, what does that recipe include? Okay? Mm -hmm. And to reverse engineer it, what I ask people is, well, okay, how does stress show up in your body? Like how do you know that your body is stressed, Jamie? Like what signals do you get? It's almost indescribable. It's a feeling in my muscles and Mm -hmm. in my head. It sounds weird, but I feel like I want to be hit with sticks. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like I needed to be beaten up and that Mm -hmm. will get me out of it. It's almost like I needed the the tension of my muscles to be knocked out. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 It sounds like intense pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great awareness, right? So that tells you you're outside of your, your optimal zone. And then you can notice like, how does it show up in my thinking? How does it show up in my behavior? And then you can start to tease out like the subtleties or the nuances, Mm -hmm. right? Like, can I start to find the nuances of that experience so that I can catch it before it gets to that state? Okay. And then you have to figure out what are the things that make me actually feel really good. And for most people, it's, um, we talked about this last month, exercise. Exercise is a brilliant tool because it creates endorphins in your body, which is just endogenous morphine, Mm -hmm. right? So it creates so many positive feelings. So exercise, social connection, relaxation exercises. So yoga or meditation might be one of those. Mm -hmm. It's really about figuring out those daily coping skills and figuring out like who lifts you up, who brings you down, but then understand, and this is the most important thing I'm going to say in the whole show today, just like taking medication. So if you take medication for anything, you know that the dose is important. You've got to take it regularly. Mm -hmm. Any kind of self-care is dose dependent. So you can't do it once a week and think that that's going to make a difference because most people will try that and then they're disappointed. Mm -hmm. You need a daily dose. It doesn't have to be a huge dose, but it needs to be a daily dose. Makes sense. And so in order to do that, you've got to figure out what the barriers are to you taking care of yourself. And that is where we come into taking things away. Okay. So what do you mean by that? How do you take things away? So this is like when I speak to people about self-care, the most common barrier that I hear is I don't have time. Yeah, for sure. Okay. It's the mantra out of everybody's lips. They could still have time to watch 20 hours of TV a week, Mm -hmm. but I don't have time to take care of myself. 
And so what I often start people off with is actually taking things away so that there is this feeling of an abundance of time. And then we replace the maladaptive stuff with adaptive stuff. So if that is your thing that's coming right now, right? Like, I don't have time to do this. I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time for relaxation. I don't have time for, like, positive social connection. And then you have to think about what you can take away. So I know for myself, and I want to hear from you, Jamie, mm-hmm. the thing that I often have to take away is work. Like, I would work and work and work and work and work. You know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of, like, a workhorse, and I'll work way beyond my window of tolerance and capacity. And so I have to really boundary the amount of work that I'm doing in order to build in things like positive social connection, for example. For me, it's the same, except I would say I don't take it away. I restructure it. So one thing I've learned in COVID is I am the master of my time. If that means I have to work out, which at a time when others would consider it part of their normal workday, I do that. And maybe I extend my workday to a part where people would otherwise think, oh, no, that's not the time for work. And then if you do that, you actually find you have more time to get everything accomplished. The more you try and do, the more you're able to do is sort of what I've found. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense. And I think what you're talking about is is really being open, too. Because that idea of restructuring your day is just about doing things in non-traditional, you know, like the non-traditional method, right? And I think that's really critical. It is, but it's a luxury, right? I mean, like, I I understand not everybody can do that. But if you can, I, I mean, that's the way I do it. Yeah, yeah, I love that. You know, for, for other people, you know, I, I suggest, like, boundaries on taxing relationships. Yep. Some people spend time with others who they feel like they have to spend time with. The relationship is really, really painful or taxing. And so really consider setting boundaries on those relationships. Sometimes you could remove social media at certain times. Yep. And then, you know, if you're really feeling not well or not in your optimal of arousal, you could consider removing substances like alcohol, THC, or even removing problematic foods if you notice that you don't feel well when you're consuming them. Okay. Can you do accountability in 30 seconds? Yeah. So 30 seconds is you need to have some way to check in with yourself to make sure that you're doing it. I suggest a friend or a family member where you're checking in like once a week to make sure that you're actually meeting your self-care goals. Write out the goals, share them, check in with someone. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. Enjoy. We have to take a short break, but we'll be right back on The Tonic. The Big Carrot is a worker-owned natural food market that's been committed to local, organic, non-GMO, and sustainable food systems since 1983. They're a one-stop shop offering produce, grocery, bulk, body care, and holistic dispensary. The juice and smoothie bars and kitchens serve up hundreds of healthy dishes and drinks daily. Building community is at the core of their vision, which they deliver through education, outreach, and giving. They want everyone to share in the goodness they offer. Visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca. Hi, this is Jamie Busson. I'm not only the host of the Tonic Talk Show and podcast, I'm also the publisher of the Tonic Magazine. The Tonic is published six times a year and is delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. It's also available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA. And if you miss it, you can also read The Tonic online at thetonic.ca. Hey, if you like The Tonic Talk Show, I know you'll love The Tonic Magazine. This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio. Melissa Cameron is an organic master gardener and founder of The Good Seed. She's passionate about the connection between human health and nature 
and believes that regenerative gardens can help create food security and broaden ecological diversity. Melissa's been featured on Farmer's Footprint in Toronto Life, has been a guest speaker at Allen Gardens, and has been a well-received garden expert online and in person. For more information, you should visit thegoodseedto.com. Happy New Year and welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Happy New Year. Happy New Garden Year. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's cold. I'm not really doing gardening, but I'm doing shoveling. But today's topic, you know, a little philosophical. We're going to talk about the importance of soil, right? Yes. It's the sexiest unsexy garden topic there is. Well, it's like when you're building a house, right? Nobody wants to talk about the pipes and the electrical. They just want to talk about, you know, the fancy adornments. But if you don't get the basics right, nothing else is going to work, right? It's so true. In fact, soil and soil health is really the biggest determinant of success in your garden, maybe aside from sunlight and water. When we talk about soil health, what do you mean by that exactly? We have really come a long way, I'd say, in the past 30 years in scientifically studying soil and the components of soil and in understanding what practices lead to soil health. So we think of soil, lots of people call it dirt, but in fact, it is a living and breeding organism full of life, full of different ecosystems and, you know, a bit of an unseen and unsung hero in the garden. When we talk about soil life, we're talking about all of the different characteristics that brings soil to life. So decomposing material that's consumed by worms and insects that we see and small life forms that we don't see and also, you know, birds and decaying matter, leaves, things like that. So it's it's a fascinating topic and lots is going on beneath the surface. Right. And uh, maybe this doesn't speak to soil health, but there's different kinds of soil, even within Toronto, right? You could be in, in an area where it's very sort of clay heavy, and then maybe in another part of the city, less so, and that's going to impact what you can grow and what you can't, right? A hundred percent. So the abiotic components of soil that we you were talking about really are sand, silt, clay, minerals, and many of us will characterize our, our soils as sandy or as clay heavy and sort of that ideal soil might be called loam so a beautiful mixture of the two and every different type of soil has its own challenges right so what are the top three things that you can do that would improve soil health number one on that list any day of the week for me is adding organic material Mm -hmm. and so your soil needs to thrive and to thrive it needs to be fed so when we're growing our plants the plants are feeding themselves from the soil. So they're depleting it. And this is especially true if you're growing vegetables like you do, Jamie, in a raised bed, where you're asking the soil to sort of give to the plants and you need to then give back in turn. So organic materials such as a compost mix and manure, things like that, are really going to help feed your soil. Mm -hmm. And your soil health will vastly improve if you are mindful of that. The second thing I would say is mulch. And this is a huge topic because we often don't think about bare soil as being problematic. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, it truly is. So bare soil, it, you know, it, it tends to have erosion issues. So you're losing some of that juicy, nutrient-dense goodness of the soil when it's bare. It has compaction issues. So like you said, you were shoveling. When we have snow falling on bare soil, the soil is getting compressed and the soil food web that lives below the surface gets stressed. So mulching with a layer of straw or leaves is really saving the soil from some of those issues. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing, I'm going to keep on with the mulch, is really 
considering all year long that bare soil is not ideal, so approaching your flower gardens and your edible gardens with mulch so that you are covering that bare soil, preventing compaction, preventing erosion, you know, not letting weeds take root, and really helping your plants stay moist and thrive. Is aeration an issue? Like making sure that like the soil is loose or that, you know, the animals can get through it like worms, etc.? Is that a thing? That's a fantastic question. And the school of thought on that has changed so much in the past uh, few years. So you might be familiar with a term called no-till. Yeah. And no-till is really talking about building soil without destroying all of the networks that are happening under the soil, the mycorrhizae network, the fungal network, that's the mycorrhizae, the soil food web. And so we don't tend to aerate anymore. We tend to build layers of soil. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then one exception I would say, if you do have that heavy, dense clay soil and you do need to sort of loosen it up a bit, there is a tool called a broad fork. Mm-hmm. And that is just a really, yeah, it's like 200 bucks. You use your body weight and you're able to sort of aerate the soil without disturbing that incredible understory too much. I think there must have been like pottery kilns where I used to, where I lived <laughs> back in the day. There was so much clay in my front backyard. I like when I had to, I think I told you this before, like I actually did all the landscaping. I'm not talking about planting, but I completely transformed both my front and backyard. And it was just so much work trying to like loosen up the clay because it was just so dense, like nothing would grow. It was a disaster, you know, through sheer will force and, and like effort, I managed to grow things back there, but it was a real struggle. I mean, like, like really, I think it was just like pure clay. I'm not even sure there was any silt or dirt there at all. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. So I, I've done some, some growing in soil like that and truly what matters the most year over year is adding that organic material. Yeah, for sure. Number one. Yep. And so if you do have that and you want to plant in it, you know, invest in four to six inches of organic material, top that off with straw, and you're really going to see over two to three seasons that that soil changes incredibly quickly and you have a good six to eight inches in which to grow. And I actually once grew on a farm where the patriarch of the farm said, you'll never grow potatoes here because the soil is too clay. Mm-hmm. And by rehabilitating the soil that way, no-till, adding organic material, we had potatoes within two years. And oh, wow. in his 80s, he was astounded and thrilled. That's amazing. You know, I'm impatient. I went a different route with my raised gardens, which we discussed before, and I brought, I bought some soil just because like, like I could just see like a ground level. It was beyond my skill set. So I bought soil. Do you have recommendations where we should get our soil from? I do. I think it's really important to, you know what they say, like, know your farmer, yep. know your soil. Uh, not all soil and people selling it are created equal. And so my top tip for great soil is actually to find bait sort of manufacturers. So these are companies that produce worms, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> which sounds crazy, but, you know, as like bait products for fishing and yep. their byproduct is worm casting, which is an incredibly nutrient dense soil yep. amendment that can be added to your garden beds. And so they will often have several different types of soil in the GTA. There's a company called Pure Life Soil. I use them. I have no affiliation with them. It's just a great product. And, you know, being able to call them and talk to them and say, hey, what's in your triple mix or what's in your soil? And they're going to have an answer for you. And you may not get that if you're just going to sort of a larger landscaping type outfit. Well, you threw out a term just a moment ago, triple mix. 
So, I, you know, let's assume we've got some neophytes here. What's the difference between all these different types? So topsoil, triple mix, garden soil, what do those terms mean? Yeah, definitely. So it can be super overwhelming because even if you go to your local grocery store in the spring, you're going to find bags of all sorts of different types of soil and some are on sale and some are not. And yep. what should you buy and what does it mean? And of course. So let's break it down. Triple mix, the first one you mentioned, is usually a commercially packaged product that contain, contains a mixture of peat compost and topsoil mm-hmm. those are the three components then you have compost so your compost if you buy strict compost is you know decomposing organic matter like food waste mm-hmm. um, we've got manure and that's typically animal waste mm-hmm. now potting mix is completely different from all of those we just talked to and that's a growing medium that's formulated for containers so it usually does not contain too much organic matter but has a lot of peat sometimes cocoa uh, coir and also has those tiny white flecks in it right that's often perlite and that's because those white flecks help retain perlite helps retain water and because you're in a closed vessel with no access to the ground that matters so you want to be selecting the proper soils for your application similarly seed starting mix if you're starting your own seed start uh, seedlings at home is actually a soilless product, like a potting mix, and it's formulated uh, to be screened very fine so that when seeds are germinating and just setting those first tiny little roots out, it's quite fluffy and light and easy for it to, uh, to happen. Okay. When would you say is the best time to fix your soil if it needs amending? So every spring, I want you to amend. And we're going to amend all of the soil in your garden. So for you, that might be your in-ground perennial flower garden. Mm-hmm. and also your containers. And the more generous you are in the spring, the better your season will go. Makes a lot of sense. Right. Makes a lot of sense. And this is where it really is important to spend a bit of money. The money you spend now is going to pay off in that show-stopping garden that your neighbors are asking you about. So invest in the worm castings, for instance. Those are by far and away the sort of most general and best amendment you can add to the soil in the spring. And don't be skimpy with it. I actually, uh, I got worms as opposed to the worm castings. Does that make any sense? Like I, because my my raised gardens were isolated, I thought the worm having worms in there, and it seems to work. Am I just lucky, or does that actually make sense? Are your containers remind me open to the soil below? No, not at all. There's like ground covering underneath, and then there's like I put a, a, a sub layer which allows for drainage, and then there was the clay, and then I put the good stuff on top. But I thought having the worms in there would help just because like, there's constant vegetables and flowers being grown there. And do you still see worms in there when you put your hands in? Not so much. Yeah. So sometimes because the raised beds uh, experience a lot of temperature fluctuation over the season, yeah. the worms don't always thrive. Got it. Um, so I would say if your beds are filled to the top, I want you to take off three or four inches this year. Yeah. You can redistribute that soil somewhere else in your property. And I want you to invest in the worm casting, top it, and I promise you, you'll be amazed. We're going to circle back on this, Melissa. You've given the advice. I'm going to follow through. We'll see where it goes, all right? I like it. I like it. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for letting me talk about soil. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Dr. Gordon Chang, Heather Lillico, Tracy Sagrati, and Melissa Cameron. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at It's The Tonic on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. 
For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of Tonic Magazine. The January-February issue is available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit the new website, thetonic.ca. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at thetonic.ca. On our next show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson wishing you a healthy and happy week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.